morning. The congregation is growing, and it's good to see so many of you that haven't been able to come and be with us in the public way. Thank you for your prayers and your faithfulness to the church and your contributions, your uh, contact to one another, and your faithfulness to stay in touch with God and one another through these times. Um, remind you that next Sunday will be um, sort of an opening or reopening to our normal services here at Statesboro Primitive Baptist Church in that uh, we'll have Bible study for those of you Bible study classes who desire to meet and you teachers that can make those preparations and uh, our regular service at 10.30 morning and the 6 p.m. evening service as well. Uh, beginning next Sunday. We will not be having a midweek service, which is probably pretty normal for the summer anyway, uh, but, um, but be, in, be in prayer for the church as we do that. I realize there's some that probably still won't feel comfortable yet, and we understand that if you have certain issues and whatever, uh, you just let the Lord lead you and guide you in that. But uh, encourage one another and ask God to help and bless us as we go through these times together. I do want to thank you, though, so much for your faithfulness and your joy in serving the Lord uh, in the midst of all the separation and different schedules that we've all had to meet. Um, also, uh, I wanted to uh, thank you for your prayers again. I wanted to update you on Landon Sykes. I got a text this morning from his father Greg, and as you know, he had surgery last week, and he had two rods placed in his chest, and um, everything went well in the surgery. It was done at Eggleston Hospital in Atlanta, uh, but he's home. Landon is. He's dealing with some pain, according to Greg, taking some pain medicine that's kind of got him a little woozy, obviously, but uh, he is getting better, and they wanted me especially to tell you, the church, for to thank you, the church, for praying for them. So many people have said that uh, through these times where we've had, seems like so many loss of loved ones uh, in the church and how you've embraced them uh, in spite of the uh, obstacle of not being able to just go up and, and be with them closer than you, than you have been able to. Uh, also, I wanted to add uh, Melissa Hendricks to the prayer list. Requests have been made uh, that we add Sister Melissa. So may the Lord bless her and and the family through the testing and the situation that she's going through. May the Lord bless. Um, I want to ask you, too, to bow with me in prayer. Would you do that as we gather together? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we come to you this Lord's Day, thanking you for it. We pray, O oh Lord, that we can make the most of it. We pray, O oh Lord, that we can set aside our grievances and those doubts and fears that seem to creep up on us in the most unlikely places. And that you would settle us, Lord, and remind us of Jesus. As we look to him, Lord, who is our helper, the strength, and who is all we need, really. We thank you, Lord, for this waiting congregation, and I pray that your spirit would be so enforced in this place that we would feel it, and that we would know that you're here, and that we would be mindful of your... Uh, word in a way that it would have an impression on it on us that it would affect our lives forever and ever we thank you for the comfort and for the truth that makes us free bless O oh lord those on the prayer list and those we've mentioned additionally 
And I pray for each family, each one that's joining us in any way today in this service, for the multiplied millions today that are joining together to worship the one true and living God. Heavenly Father, that's you. We bow before you now, and we're so thankful that we can call you our Father. Thank you for forgiving us and giving us this opportunity to come to you in Jesus' name. For it's in his name I pray. Bless the church for his sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you turn with me today to Matthew chapter 8? Matthew chapter 8. Uh, I'm going to continue the series um, in revival. Uh, I believe that revival is such a, a, a manifestation in the situations that we're in right now. I said earlier, and I still hold to it, that the pandemic or the virus uh, was a great platform for revival. And I believe, I believe we're seeing that, and I pray that the Lord would bless us to, to feel that impression. And how that comes about, though, is a little different than we might expect. And I think this uh, place in Matthew gives us um, scriptural evidence of the response of revival. That's what revival is, a response from God, okay? See, revival, as you know, it's re, re, the prefix re. That means it's before. So God goes before and he gives us new life and a freshness in our faith and brings us to the point that we're more aware of what God has done for us, what he's doing for us, and so we trust him. So let's, let's look at this together. Matthew 8, I'm going to use verse 23 through 27 for our text. And when he, when he, that is Jesus, was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Now I want you to be thinking with me as we look at this. This is, I think, a good parallel. That is, Jesus getting on a ship and his disciples following to every Christian who endeavors to follow Jesus. Okay? So many times in life, you don't know where you're going. And you, don't, you can't figure things out. Jesus says, follow me. Okay? I think it also is a good um, likeness of the church. Uh, of every true church of God. The, that is a ship of life that, that we get in. And we're going to see the various situations that affect that. And affect us as believers. So Jesus entered into a ship, and his disciples followed him. And that's exactly where we need to do, is follow Jesus. I pray that you and I would look at our hearts, ask God to help us, are you following Jesus? That's what matters every day. You know what that means? I believe that following Jesus means that we're trusting him. That we are trusting him now, we've trusted him in the past, and we're going to trust him in the future. That's what following Jesus, as I understand it, means. It means that we trust him enough to deny, deny ourselves. That we're confident enough in his enabling ability that, that we're willing as we follow him and deny ourselves that we'll take up our cross along the way. That we won't be ashamed of what God has providentially brought in our lives. That we won't try to wait till everything just gets exactly the way we want it. But we'll go ahead and follow Jesus with the cross, with the burdens that he's given us to give to him. That's what makes a difference. That's, 
That's, that's going to be a, a, a response to revival in your life, in the church, and all of us. All right, so this happens, and then look at verse 24. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. That's a storm. Storms are realities. Uh, my first point today is going to be, or is, revival comes with storms. Revival comes with storms. That's what's happened here, a storm. And Jesus knew about this, okay? Remember, he goes in the ship first, and his disciples follow him. And it's a pretty severe storm because the next part of that verse says, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. <laughs> Jesus was asleep. I, I haven't found any other place in Scripture where it says Jesus ever slept. What, what we have here is, I see it as the humanity of our Lord uh, showing his weakness and then before it's over, we're going to see the divinity of our Lord. I mean, the book of Matthew, the whole gospel, is, is a, a, a pronouncing of the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so we see that, that he is going to have the power to deal with it, but we see that he's asleep. Why, why is he asleep? I mean, the storm is going on. I mean, it seems like sometimes that the devil's in charge of this world, doesn't it? I mean, it does seem like, if we really think about it, that Jesus is just indifferent. And, and maybe he's asleep. But he never oversleeps. He doesn't. So, Jesus is asleep. And I wonder if we won't take this as an example to us. In the storms of life. Can you sleep in the storm? In other words, are you confident in your faith that God is really, really sovereign and that he is in charge of all that's going on? Well, he is. And so, so that's a response to revival, that we, we, we look to Jesus and we believe him and we trust him. And that's what following Jesus is. It's, it's believing him and trusting him. And knowing that, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Because even though the storm is happening, Jesus is there. <laughs> you know, uh, people have said, I have said, many have said, you've said, and, and lived that, that the, the peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. Now you want to you wanna go ahead and say a response to revival is peace. I mean, you, you, you know, you show me a person that can be calm in the midst of turmoil. I've been with many of you in, in situations where you've hurt and, and you've had brokenness and, and, and situations have come and, and I have seen the peace of God. I, I, I never... Cease to be amazed at the response of what revival does in the midst of a storm. 
You know, he's not here today, but uh, when I went out and many of you were there when Corbett Deloach lost his son that Sunday afternoon, you remember the tree fell on the sun? And I remember going there and not knowing what to say. And likely so, rightly so. And I remember Corbett meeting me there, right in the yard of his son. And he embraced me. And he was weeping, but he said, you know, Brother Randy, I have peace. God has got this. You would have thought that Corbett Deloach was in revival. Now, I don't mean to belittle the hurt and the pain of life. But I'm going to tell you, we serve a God that is bigger than any problem. I know you've been praying for Brother Pat McCoy's grandson, Dylan, who passed away from that accident. Brother Pat will be doing the service Tuesday. And they sent some text out today, the preacher's praying for him. And, and Brother Pat sent one back, and it's, it's the other account in Mark chapter 4, this same episode. And he said, the only way we can get through this is knowing that the sovereign of the universe is in the boat. The only way that we can get through life is knowing that Jesus is in the ship with us. Okay? I mean, that should cause us to rejoice. Knowing that Jesus is there. So, so we see that, that revival does come with storms. And I want to go ahead and read so we can see the ends of this. But, and his disciples came to him. That's when you really come to Jesus. When you got a problem. It ought not to be like that, had it? We ought to be with him every day. We ought, to be, we ought to be so sensitive to our, to our frailty and so dependent on him that, that, that we, we every day say, Jesus, I come to you. But, but they come to him when that boat starts rocking. And they awoke him. And they said, Lord, <laughs> save us. We perish. And there's a lot of different salvations in the Bible. There's more than eternal salvation. This is one of them that's not eternal. They were already eternally saved. But, you know, we need saving other than eternity. You know that, don't you? Why? Because, because that's what manifests revival. You see, you see knowing, knowing that revival comes in the storms is because that is where God is most glorified. And Jesus is about to show that, okay? You know when God is most glorified in your life? Not necessarily. Listen to me now. Not necessarily that he could do it, just deliver us. Rather, he is most glorified 
when He may not deliver us, but He sustains us. You got it? You see, we're not in heaven yet. And you know, when you think about the world and you think about God, there's a difference. And so storms come. But so does Jesus. And so revival comes in storms. Because that is how Jesus is going to be glorified. See, Paul wanted the thorn removed, remember? And God said, I'm not going to remove it. But I'm going to give you strength that in your weakness you may glorify me. So every problem that you and I would like to be just shuffled out of our life may be the very means of God's reviving us. David said, in Psalm 119, I think verse 71, until I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I have heard thy word. It takes a storm sometime to cause us to have the right attitude about God and about life to get our priorities where they need to be. And I think we've seen a lot of that, don't you? I do. So storms come. And they bring revival. You know why? Because they cause us to pray. That's what the disciples did. Lord... Save us, we perish. Now, the second thing I want to say regarding the response to revival, not only does revival come in storms, revival comes in stages. In stages. See, so you think about this day they got on the ship, maybe. We think about our life. It was pretty calm. Maybe like glass. You don't know what the day may end up being, though. You hear me? I mean, James was right in chapter 4 when he said, you know, when you're going somewhere and you're going to make plans, don't say I'm going to go tomorrow and do this, that, and the other. You say if the Lord will, I'll do this, that, and the other. See, it's not so much that we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't even know what today may bring. Because it might start off calm and then it might just get really horrifically stormy. But Jesus is with you. He is there. I want you to embrace that because that is the manifestation that God is in your heart. I didn't say you couldn't have doubts. Now these disciples obviously wondering, oh God, what are you doing? 
See, the reason that, that storms bring revival and this stage business comes about is that that's what causes prayer. I mean, when your ship starts going down, you're going to go down. And you're going to go on your knees. And you're going to cry out to God. And God is going to help you. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. It don't have to include all the, the, what is it, adoring and the thanking and all that. It's just, Jesus, save me. (laughs) I'm hurting, God. I need you. I mean, I mean, I started to look. I didn't have time. The short prayers in the Bible, man, they, they are so powerful. It's not a long way to talk to God. You don't have to have it all looked up and liked and uh, just in a proper order. You just go to God and tell Him it just how you feel. You tell him what stage you're in. You pray to God like you mean it, like you desperately need him. That'll wake him up every time. You think about it. You know, it might seem that God is indifferent sometimes. I really hesitate to even say that word, but regarding to God, I know my life sometimes seems to be indifferent to him, but never to me. But, but yet, in the humanity part of it, here's Jesus asleep. You ever thought on God, why, why weren't you here? I mean, Mary and Martha, well, if you'd have been here, he'd have never died. <laughs> Jesus said, if you believe in me, you shall never die. And then some people tell Jesus in John 9, well, why is this little boy born blind? Jesus, why is he born blind? Why has he got this storm going on? Why have I got to deal with cancer? Why is my life broken? Oh God, uh, why is this little baby afflicted? They said, well, did his parents sin or did he sin? You know what Jesus said, don't you? Neither. But that God, may be glorified. See, right in the storm. So, so when prayer really happens, and you get in that war room, that prayer room, and you start crying out to God, and you're really serious about it. Now, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about trying to be good enough. I'm not trying to say, well, you know, God, give me a decision. Now, I want to know whether I should take this job or that job. Now, those things need to be prayed about. But I'm talking about revival prayer is on your knees. Crying out to God to make His presence known to ease your boat and to keep the waves of destruction from your life. See, there's stages. Psalm 55, 19, there's a part of that verse that says, because they have no changes, they fear not God. See, we need changes. God doesn't change, but we do. You know, we have changes in our life. We get older. We have to look at whether I need to go to the nursing home or not. 
We need, we need all kinds of changes, but know this, that, that changes come because revival comes in stages. Because what happens here, these, these guys, these guys pray, and they pray simply to the point, Lord, save us, because if you don't, we're not going to be saved. And we need to be praying, I believe you are, in this right now, this world we're living in. Hey, the government's not going to save us. GPS is not going to save us. Scientists are not going to save us. Jesus is our Savior. He is the only one. And we need to hook up to Him. That doesn't mean the world's going to necessarily change. But I'm going to say this. We're going to have calmness. We're going to have peace. In the midst of the storm. So what happens to stages in revival? Here's it. It brings us. It brings us to our knees. And that's what prompts us. It's God. That's what it is. God's working in your heart. You pray out and you, you fulfill that because that is a response to God living in your heart. And you pray to God and you believe Him and you trust Him and, and you just don't, don't, don't think that it's got to be your way or my way. But you surrender to Him that it's okay, God, as long as you know about it, whatever it is, to make me holy and to glorify you, I'm willing, oh God, to let it go. And let it be. So 2 Chronicles 7.14. I know I say that probably every Sunday. <laughs> but it's a stage of revival. What does God say there? I mean the temple's been dedicated. You know God's house is to be alive with God's people. Proclaiming His word and living His word. And He says there if my people... Not the world, but my people, God's people that He has redeemed. You. That He has bought your very soul by His blood. Hey, you know, we in these storms of life, we could be worse. Thank God we can't slept, go any lower than a grave. We could be in hell. You got that? That's exactly where we deserve to be. But God has delivered us. And so, Second Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name. Oh my goodness, we need to say that's the name of God. I mean, you know, do you realize that we're dust? Do you realize that God says in Psalms 103, As a father pitieth his children, even so the Lord pities them that fear him. Fear is a response to revival. I'm talking about a fear. I'm talking about an awe. God is not our buddy. God is holy. God is awesome. And the Apostle John, who was apostle that God said was close to Jesus, I mean, right up on his bosom in accounts of Scripture, you know what he did when he came to uh, the acquaintance with the risen Lord in Revelation. You think he went up to him and started hugging him and shaking his hand? Oh, he didn't say, Jesus, you're my buddy. No, he fell on his feet as dead. 
And when Peter in the ocean, you remember when they were teaching, Jesus was teaching them how to fish? And they pulled up a drought, they couldn't, the nets were breaking. What did Peter do? He said, man, I want you to be my fishing buddy. No, he jumps in the water because he says, I am a sinful man. See, that's God. That's revival. When you see God that way, He is not mundane. He is not like us. He is holy. And He's bringing us to Himself with His amazing grace. And He's sanctified us. And He's doing it in stages. He's called in my name. He's our Father. You know, there's a difference in fate and predestination. And I think a lot of times people get them mixed up. And it's probably easy to do if you don't search the Word. And I'm not saying I know all about it. I never understand why God would save me. I don't. But I believe that if it wasn't a predestinating salvation, I'd have never got there. I'll tell you that for sure. See, faith is just a, a demand that this is how it's going to be. <laughs> That's not God. Predestination is a father ordaining the providence of life for the good of his children. You understand that? That's predestination in my view. All the things of our life that come about in our life, God is telling us that I'm your father. And I'm your father in the mountain, and I'm your father in the valley. I change not. God does not say, I rebuke and chasten those that I hate, does he? But those that he loves. God does not say, Jesus does not say in John 15, I'm going to prune the Branches that have no fruit. No. He says, I'm going to prune the ones that do have fruit. That you might bear more fruit for my glory. See, he is the vine dresser. God is in charge. We owe it all to Jesus. And we ought to thank him for his many blessings. So revival comes in stages. which are called by my name, or humble themselves. You see the stages of that, and I don't want to get any further than that. But it's a stage. It's understanding, humbling ourselves, seeking God, turning from our wicked ways. Prayer. And God says, I'll heal your land. Okay, then the last thing I want to say from this text. What did I say? So far, revival. I'm talking about revival. Right in the midst of this text. I don't know. You might say, well, how is that a revival? It's a revival. I mean, you don't believe it. Let's look at the rest of it. Uh, I mean, well, do we need to be shaken more than we are? I mean, what more can Jesus do? I mean, he died on the cross for you and me. 
He rose again. He ascended to God and he's right now making intercession for it. You think Jesus doesn't know about what's going on? He does. You think he doesn't care? <laughs> My goodness, I don't know where he could show that anymore. So, so revival comes in storms, revival comes in stages, and then thirdly, revival causes serenity. See, revival is not some rush of, uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of holy hollering at an arena or a bunch of, you know, uprisings. It's, it's a calmness. I mean, I mean, Jesus is asleep in the storm. Jesus is in revival. Not that he needs revival. I don't guess I could really say that, but but he's there, okay? And and so and so now we're gonna see they pray and then in verse 26, and he said unto them, Why, Jesus did, to the disciples, are ye fearful, O ye little faith? Why why are you afraid? Don't you know I'm here with you? I mean, this time the boat's still rocking, I bet. Then he arose. And he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. See, here's the sovereign of the universe. There's great calm. And, and look at this response from the disciples. And I pray they would transfer that to you and me by the Holy Spirit this morning. In verse 27, but the men marveled. You ever marveled at God? I mean, that, that means I admire you, God. And God, I adore you. I mean, I mean, if we can we do that? Can we really come down where we ought to? I, I marvel, they marvel what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him. I mean, you think about what God has done for you. And you think about His promises. And they're all true. And they're all going to be fulfilled at heaven. And, and we can base our life on that. It doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble. But it means that God is going to be glorified in it. Sometimes, I like to go out on my front porch when to have a storm coming up. And I sit there in the rocking chair and I hear the thunder and the lightning. And I thank God for His mighty power. And I wonder where the birds go. But they all come out when it's all over. Sometimes the darkest part of the night is just before the daylight. You hang in there and you hold on to Jesus. And you look for that calm in your soul. The Scriptures do say that, that when our minds are stayed on Him, we have a perfect peace. We're not going to fix this world. We're not. And one day very soon, I believe, there's coming a calmness in the millennium. When Jesus comes back. 
But until that time, we can have these responses to revival right here. When we trust Him. When we recognize the storms are part of His means of grace. Of bringing us where we need to be. When we realize the stages that He gives us. And the reason for it. May the Lord bless us. These men marveled at Jesus. I think they were in revival. I mean, sometimes, I know in my weakness, I think about, well, I want to wait till something happens. I mean, what is happening? What needs to happen? I mean, think about you sitting in church and me, let alone you, but me standing up here trying to preach. I mean, God has done something to you and me. You know, I remember when I was at Georgia University. You know the course I dreaded the most? Was it physics? I didn't do very good in it, but I had a good friend to study with. I dreaded speech. I still remember that. I, I, I did not want to take that course that I had to take. And I did not want to talk in front of people. I don't know why the Lord would bring me out of the woods. I don't. Maybe He needs to put me back there. I don't know, but that'll be okay. What I'm just trying to tell you is that God brings us. He changes our nature so that now, let me ask you something. Just search your own heart. Doesn't the world look newer and fresher to you than it's ever looked before? You're right, it does. I mean, the birds seem to be singing louder. Why is that? Because of what we've been through, I think. I think we're manifestation of God. That's what revival does. See, He makes all things new. We are new creatures. Well, may the Lord bless us. To notice the response to revival that comes in ways. Now, now listen, if you think, you know, we all have daily needs and just average needs and we ask God for them, sometimes we might get them, not get them. But, you know, if we really need a miracle, I believe that's what God does. That's what Jesus did. He calmed the sea. That is a miracle. He changed the nature. It's not so much the laws of nature, but the God behind the laws of nature that made them all. May He bless us all to see that revival comes in storms, that revival comes in stages, and that revival causes serenity. You go out somewhere tonight if it's not raining and you look up at the stars and you call out to God and you thank Him and you watch that calmness that only He can give you. That's revival. And we appreciate it. We desperately need that in this world of turmoil that we live. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. Thank you for being here and for listening, and for your good attention. And you're serving the Lord all the days of your life. It's my prayer. Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for the day you've given us and the opportunity to express our love for you, whether that's trying to preach or sitting in the pew saying, Jesus, I love you. I believe that's the response to revival.
response, Lord, to you giving us your spirit. Maybe, Lord, we sing that we love you so. We do. Bless us, O oh God. Thank you again for being with us. Have mercy upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.